Good morning. Thank you so much for um, having us come. We really do appreciate it. And Kristen and I um, have said this home assignment that we have just enjoyed so much uh, the fellowship and the time that we've spent with, uh, with friends and family and supporting churches. And we do get very filled up and encouraged by this. So thank you so much for your prayers and your support. Um, yeah, we're Derek and Kristen Dirth. We've got two kids, Charlie and Sam. And um, we have served together as a married couple for the last six years in Zambia, Africa. And then before that, we were back in Minneapolis for about five years, uh, before uh, 2005 to 2010. And we both went to school and finished that. And, um, and then, but before that, before those five years back in the States, um, we met in Zambia as singles with Action International. So that's where Kristen and I first met. And um, we were both working with street kids back then. But for the last six years, uh, four of those years, we've worked uh, with HIV AIDS, trying to help small, poor um, urban churches gain more of a biblical vision for HIV AIDS and stigma and what are ways that they can um, reach out in their communities and in their churches and uh, impact their families for the gospel in the midst of suffering and HIV. And then for the last two years, I've still been doing some of that, also been working with our discipleship programs, uh, but I've been our country director as well. So that's been um, taking a lot of my time too, uh, doing all of that. So um, I said this during the Sunday school time, but We've got a lot of bookmarks, and we're only speaking at uh, one more church next week before we go back. So feel free uh, to go out and visit our table and take any of the things there, and also sign up for an email um, or a paper hard copy newsletter as well. But besides um, the ministry of the Cross Project HIV AIDS ministry, uh, the other ministries that we do as Action Zambia is... Uh, we're, we're three married couples with kids, and then we have one single lady that works on our team. And then we also have seven uh, Zambian nationals that are kind of our core staff. So that's kind of our core team. And uh, besides working with HIV AIDS, uh, we try to do pastoral leadership development. We've uh, typically done that through a three-year small Bible college that we ran. Uh, the missionary that, that did that just retired. So we're looking for a new person to take over that ministry, but we're still going on with our one-year discipleship program, and we go through the Navigators Discipleship 2-7 classes and, uh, and books, the books 1, 2, and 3. And uh, basically what that does is there's a lot of, of lay leaders and even pastors and elders in churches, but maybe their English skills aren't good enough yet. Uh, to go to more of a formal Bible college, but we take them through this one-year discipleship program and have seen just a lot of fruit and growth out of that as, um, as they encounter the Word and see that for themselves, some for the very first time. So we've got two uh, men's classes, and then we also have a ladies' class as well that uh, one of our pastor's wives goes through that. Uh, we also have a 20-acre camping facility outside of Lusaka, one of the things that we take for granted in the States is that we've got a lot of retreat and camping facilities as a church that uh, we can book and go to for elders retreats or for different programs with our kids and so forth. But the Zambian church, especially uh, poor Zambian churches, don't have those types of facilities. So that was a need when Action Zambia started way back in 2002 
that if there could be a facility for poor urban churches to come and use and do their own programs, but then also uh, as Action Zambia, we do programs out there with Bible clubs um, and different training and different things out there that we do as well. So those are kind of our core areas that we do as Action Zambia, as well as uh, support some community schools. As I was saying in the Sunday school hour, half of the population of Zambia is under the age of 18. So there's a, a ton of kids and a ton of kids that want to go to school and can't go to school. So there's a lot of churches, local churches and poor communities that have started these community-based schools. And they just kind of do what they can with what they have, uh, the teachers that they have. And uh, so we try to support them in their work as well. Our text for today is 2 Corinthians 2, 12 through 17. So we're going to go there. But first, let me just pray. Father, we do thank you so much for this time that we can come together. We thank you for uh, the body of believers that you've assembled here at First Baptist. We just pray, Lord, that you would continue to bless this church and lead and guide it as well. Lord, we do thank you. Kristen and I thank you for the fellowship that we have here uh, in Christ. And we thank you for this time that we can come together. We don't take this for granted. Pray that you would lead and guide me now, that you guard me from error, and just lead and send your spirit as we go over these verses. In Jesus' name, amen. So the book of, the books of uh, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, or in Zambia, because of all the British influence, they say 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, uh, is very relevant for the Zambian church. And as I've gone through those books in our time in Zambia, there's just so much that can be gleaned uh, from 2 Corinthians and from 1 Corinthians as well. But today we're going to go through chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. So Paul says, When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, a fragrance from death to death, and to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak Christ. So Paul says when he came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, uh, even though a door was open to him uh, in the Lord, he says that his spirit was not at rest because he did not find Titus there. So he left, even though a door was open to him, and he went to Macedonia. And so if you remember what's going on uh, with the Corinthians and with Paul, uh, so Paul had returned to Ephesus after he had had the painful visit with the Corinthians, and then he had sent, after that painful visit, he had sent that severe letter to him that he talks about. And so now he's going to Troas to preach the gospel, and he also is hoping to meet up with Titus there because he wants to hear how things are going with the Corinthians. And now he's telling the Corinthians that, in 2 Corinthians, that, hey, I really cared about you guys, and I went 
um, to Troas to preach the gospel, and there was a door that was open to me, and I was trying to find Titus to hear how things are going and how you responded and what's going on. And, but he doesn't find Titus there. And he's got, like I said, this wide open door that he talks about, but he leaves and he goes and he finds Titus instead. And I thought that was interesting. Uh, I was given these verses at another church to preach on and uh, the pastor just skipped over verses 12 and 13 and said, just do 14 uh, through 17. And I noticed the week before that he had stopped at verse 11. And I was thinking, you know, there's, there's quite a bit though in verses 12 and 13 uh, to just look at in the fact that sometimes Paul kind of gets labeled as harsh and unfeeling in some of his letters. He can be a little strong at times. But here we see that Paul really wants to hear from Titus. And he wants to hear from Titus because he wants to hear how the Corinthians are doing. And he's probably also concerned about Titus himself and how is he doing and how did he travel and what's going on. And sometimes we forget, um, and Zambia has made us appreciate this all the more, is that travel in those days you did not take for granted and you didn't know if you were going to get to a different location or not. So it's good to remember as we read uh, through these letters that there's there's genuine rejoicing and joy that, hey, this person made it. to. These were long distances that people were traveling without vehicles. So I love things like this in the Bible, these two little verses that kind of give us insight into how Paul is feeling um, about his relationship with Titus and also, his, more importantly, his relationship with the Corinthians. And I was thinking about these verses as I was preparing for this message, and do I do this um, in the ministry that God has called us to in the fact that do I see people as more important than the ministry that I'm doing? In the sense that Paul has an open door for ministry. That doesn't always come to Paul easily. And you would think that if the Bible uh, was manufactured, if it was just written, that it would say something to the effect of that when he came to Troas to preach the gospel, there was the door that was open to, to me in the Lord, and also Titus was there, and I heard that everything was fine with the Corinthians, and everything just went well. But instead, Paul leaves off this open door, and he goes and finds Titus because he wants to see how people are doing, how the Corinthians are doing, and how Titus is doing. And I think that's a really good uh, message that all of us can take, is that uh, sometimes in our ministries and what we're doing and what we're doing for the Lord, um, God's will can be there that it shows that, yeah, we, there's this wide open door for ministry. We can go and do that. But Paul takes the time to focus on the relationship with Titus and with the Corinthians. Now, we see from Acts 20, 5 through 11, if uh, you don't have to go there, but Paul goes back to Troas, and God keeps that door open for him. Um, that was the time that, if you remember in the book of Acts, that Paul is talking so long that there's a young man sitting in the windowsill, and he falls asleep and falls out of the window, and uh, is either raised from the dead, or he had the wind knocked out of him, or something happened. But um, God is faithful to this open door. So Paul sees it, but he takes the time to go and find out what's going on. 
And uh, God still is faithful to bring him back to Troas and to open that door for ministry again. So as we, as we remember this, it's just important that God's the one that's controlling the timing and our steps. And uh, we can try to think through all the various things that we need to do. And this looks like a good opportunity. But Paul takes care of the relationships here that are struggling first. And then God is faithful and he opens that door for ministry later on. So again, I just think it's an interesting little passage of scripture there that gives insight uh, and instruction to us from how Paul um, dealt with that situation. But going on to verse 14, Paul says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and, spreads, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. So now Paul uh, shifts gears here and uh, does a digression, digression, and doesn't actually report <laughs> on his time with Titus uh, until we get to uh, 2 Corinthians 7, 5 through 16. So you'll have to read that later to figure out, so what did actually happen with, uh, when you found Titus, and how is your relationship now with the Corinthians? Um, now at this point uh, in the letter of 2 Corinthians, things are looking a little bit depressing as you read through chapter 1 and into chapter 2. Paul uh, has described some of his hardships in Asia. People are criticizing his integrity. And uh, he's experienced a lot of pain in his relationship and ministry with the Corinthians. But even still, he says here, but thanks be to God. And the question that I had for myself is, when I go through trials and tribulations, the last two years for Kristen and I in Zambia have been challenging in a lot of ways, just uh, in ministry and things that have gone on in the team, not so much with relationships, but just with um, things happening to some of our teammates, uh, with uh, robbery and one of their daughters was having seizures and all of these types of things were going on. And when Paul, Paul is suffering in his life and his ministry. Uh, you know, Paul becomes a Christian, and we read so much in the New Testament about the suffering that he went through for the sake of Christ. And here he starts off, but he says, but thanks be to God. And even in the midst of our suffering, uh, and some of us are going through very challenging things, is do we have thankfulness to God even in the midst of our suffering? Because God deserves, even in the midst of our suffering, our thankfulness. So there's two interpretations of these verses, um, not controversial, but just two ways that you can look at it. Uh, the, the first is the image of a Roman triumphal procession that Paul is probably thinking of. And God is shown as the sovereign and victorious, and Christ is the general uh, who is leading the victory procession. And that Paul, who was once an enemy of the cross, is now captured by Christ and is joyfully following him. So that's how some people uh, will read these verses, uh, verse 14. But then another view is the triumphal procession is an expression of Paul's praise to God for leading him like a prisoner in a Roman triumphal procession into situations of su suffering such as he experienced in Troas and with the Corinthians. Uh, thus Paul's suffering, uh, or sorry, thus through Paul's suffering, God spreads the fragrance um, of the knowledge of him everywhere. 
So I would tend to lean just on the context and how things are going towards the second view, um, that, uh, that that's what Paul is probably talking about here, that it's maybe not so much a victorious, uh, triumphal perception, procession, <laughs> but that, it's, uh, that he's a prisoner and that he's being led through this. But even through those trials and those situations, God is leading him through. And uh, through the trials and tribulations, he's spreading a fragrance of Christ as he goes through that. One of the things uh, that Kristen and I have really felt in our time in Zambia through different hardships and times is keeping the long view on things, uh, keeping more of a heaven perspective. And part of that has been through brothers and sisters in Christ in Zambia who think a lot about heaven. They think a lot about this, this momentary affliction will be over soon and we'll be in heaven with Christ and everything will be made right. So that's, that's been helpful for us um, in the midst of suffering to think about the long view of heaven and that Christ is leading us through trials and tribulations but he will make everything right in the end. And uh, it's just, it's really important to remember that. And it's, it's been helpful for us to be around people, um, the urban poor, the poor in Lusaka that suffer so much yet have such good perspectives and such a heavenly mindset uh, towards their suffering and hoping in Christ through the various trials and tribulations. So verses 15 and 16 going forward, for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To a one, a fragrance of death, from death to death, to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? Uh, so again, what does Paul mean when he says, for we are the aroma of Christ? And uh, in, the, in a Roman parade that would go through, like we just talked about, there was usually incense that was burned and different things that was happening um, but the Greek terms here, uh, through for the aroma, uh, are used in the Old Testament to refer to the aroma of the sacrifice that's pleasing to God. So again, it seems to be that the context of those verses would fit more as a, a prisoner, that Paul was a prisoner in a Roman triumphal procession, and that the sacrifices that he's going through, the, the ways that he sacrifices himself for Christ, is, uh, is in a pleasing aroma to to God, and we see that elsewhere in scriptures as well. Um, some people, uh, as we all know, hear the gospel and see it as life. Maybe you've been a part of a situation uh, where you've, you've led someone to Christ, or you've been in a discipleship situation where people are ready to receive and ready to hear the gospel, and they see it as good news and are excited about it. And uh, as Paul says here, other people, it's, uh, it's a fragrance from life to life, and others, it's a fragrance from death to death. So some people are attracted to Paul's message, as they are to ours as well as we spread the gospel, and some people are repelled by it as well. Um, one of the books we read when we were first uh, getting married talked about um, just the aroma of Christ in your home. And as people interact with you as a couple and as a family and they come into your home, 
that they generally can tell, like, the feeling of this house and how their relationship is and what's going on here. And is this, am I put at ease? Am I comfortable in this home? Uh, Does this seem like a safe place? Is this home giving off a pleasing aroma? And uh, as Christians, we need to ask ourselves in all of the areas of our lives, as we're out and about uh, driving or at our workplaces or when we invite people into our home, are we, are we giving off a pleasing aroma of Christ to those that are around us? And uh, there's, again, like I just said earlier, there's so many things that our Zambian brothers and sisters go through that I'm just always amazed at the way that they say it. Um, it just seems so matter-of-fact. And I think part of that is when you live in a cultural and a, a country context where there is so much suffering around you, you do become um, dead to it in some extent. I was reading last night, I've been reading this book about um, the history of Europe through World War I and World War II, and some of the soldiers from World War I were just saying that after a period of time, you just see so many horrific things that it just becomes so commonplace. And it doesn't really affect you anymore while you're in that situation. And sometimes uh, Zambians I'll talk to and uh, a pastor or something like that, and I'll say, so how are you doing and what's going on? And he'll say, you know, yesterday my child died or this happened. And he'll say it so, so matter-of-factly with very little emotion. And some of that's cultural, but some of that I think is just how much suffering so many Zambians go through just with the challenges that they have. But we see in so many uh, Christians in Zambia a pleasing aroma of Christ as they go through the midst of that suffering. It's not that they don't show any emotion or that they don't care about it, but it's that they don't lose their hope in God through those times, those really massive times of tribulation. And for a lot of Zambians, especially the urban poor and the poor out in the country, it's just one thing after another that hits them with death of children or family members or financial difficulties or sicknesses that come, health care that they can't um, afford. But even through this, uh, they give glory to God and they trust in Him. They trust in Him through these difficult and challenging situations. And they never waver in their faith, at least not when we speak with them. It's always very positive that, well, God will provide and He has a plan for me and I'm going to trust in Him through this. So that's my prayer for myself and for my family and for all of us, that as we go through difficult trials, like the trials that Paul went through, um, Paul went through some amazing trials when we read in the New Testament, and he went through some massive relational trials. And sometimes the relational trials, like he's experiencing here with the Corinthians, can be the hardest for all of us. And we've a lot of us have gone through that in our lives. Uh, disease and sickness and all those things can be horrible, but when we're having conflict with a family member or a close friend or someone betrays us or something happens, those can be some of the most difficult things that we go uh, through in life. We were talking with our missions pastor back in Minneapolis, and he was saying how uh, you know he debriefs with missionaries all the time. And generally it's not you know, I'm a missionary in Afghanistan and I've had these horrible things happen to my family um, through different things that have happened, um, whatever that may be. But it's more about, 
you know, a team member called me a name um, in a staff meeting once or something along those lines. Or this team member betrayed me and really hurt us in this way. And that's been our experience as well. It's, you expect those things to happen. You expect the trials and the tribulations to happen in the country that you're serving in because you know that uh, this is a dangerous place or the transportation system is bad or there's a lot of break-ins or whatever, but it's the relational stuff that really is challenging and uh, can really get you down at times. And that's why it's so helpful uh, to read um, the Apostle Paul and even through, obviously, the tremendous Uh, tremendous physical sufferings that he went through. He went through a lot of relational sufferings. But even in that, he says, but thanks be to God. So now in verse 16, uh, Paul, as he usually does, takes a little detour and doesn't answer the question um, of who is sufficient for these things in verse 16. At the end of verse 16. And he answers that down in 3-5. So as we share the gospel and as we minister to people, obviously our sufficiency comes from God and not from us. So as Paul says, um, who is sufficient for these things? The obvious answer is no, we're not sufficient for these things. Uh, Kristen and I are not sufficient to go out and to um, share the gospel, but we need the Holy Spirit. We need Christ in us uh, so that he makes us sufficient to go out and to do these things. And uh, we, we still do our best. We still strive. Uh, all of us do that in various different ways in our own context and life situations. But it's Christ who gives us the sufficiency to do these things. And that's such a comfort that it doesn't rest on our skills or our education um, or what we've done. Not that training for something is bad, but that ultimately our sufficiency comes from Christ. Then in verse 17, he says, For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak Christ. This verse is interesting because in our day and age, uh, here in the West, we would probably think um, more of peddlers of God's word as far as like watering down the gospel. Uh, Generally, you know, Americans don't want to hear about sin and hell, so we kind of, we water that part down and just talk about um, the relationship that we have with God and um, the spiritual significance that that gives us and so forth. And, and some people water that down a lot. But in a Zambian context, uh, this verse means uh, quite a bit because there's so many people that peddle God's word literally for money. Um, one of our, our ministry partners and a pastor who's on our staff, um, he has a guy in his neighborhood that sells anointed pencils and pens so that uh, when your child has exams for school, um, as a parent, you would want to go out and buy from him these, because he's a prophet and he's anointed, um, these pens and pencils, and they'll just kind of like do the exam for you, that God will, will bless you and uh, that the answers will kind of write themselves for your child. And of course, there's the fee for, for paying that to, to get these types of things. Um, I was once in line at a grocery store in Zambia, and there was a guy on the phone in front of me. And um, he was telling his wife, he was just pleading with his wife to not give any more money to their pastor. 
that he, they've given so much money for this problem that they have, and he didn't say on the phone what the problem was, but he was telling her, don't give him any more money. Like, he's just taking our money, and he's just doing, you know, he's, he's praying over you, and he's saying these things, um, but it's not doing anything, and uh, he's just stealing money from us, basically. So, uh, as I mentioned in the Sunday School Hour, health, wealth, and prosperity gospel is huge in Zambia, and it's one of the, the major things that we face in Zambia. Even though uh, Zambia is a, is a Christian country, it's a reached country, a lot of people would say there's been a veneer of Christianity that's been placed over Zambia. And uh, traditionally, like I said this morning, um, a lot of people would go to a witch doctor or a traditional healer, and uh, they would give them some money, and uh, that traditional healer or witch doctor would give them something in return or something that they would need to say. And then they would do that, and um, hopefully their problem would get solved. And in a lot of ways, ways, health, wealth, and prosperity gospel is very similar, where you go to a pastor and you give him a seed offering or a fee for his special anointing or blessing or oil that he'll pour over you, and then he tells you to do certain things or say a prayer and gives you something, and then hopefully your problem will be solved. So, but Paul says here, for we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. So the gospel is not ours to change or to peddle. It's the good news that God has given um, through Christ to us to tell other people. And we have no right to change it or alter it in any way. It's just simply what we're supposed to do is go out and tell everyone the good news of what Jesus has done for all of us. So the application this morning, uh, as we look over these verses from 12 through 17, is verses 12 through 13, um, God can open and keep open ministry opportunities for us. And sometimes... Uh, it's more important for us to worry about our relationships as we saw with Paul. Even though he went to Troas, um, there was a wide open door there, but he didn't find Titus, so he left and figured out what was going on with Titus and the Corinthians first. Verse 14, let's be thankful to God. Um, As Paul says, but thanks be to God. Uh, God deserves our thankfulness, even in the times of suffering. And he is the one who is in control and will lead us. Verses 15 and 16, uh, we are, are we the aroma of Christ? We are the aroma of Christ. And how, how are we coming off to those around us? Um, how do we respond to suffering in our lives? We've all witnessed people, like I was saying about Zambians that we've met, that's a good witness to us, um, to Kristen and myself, about how to biblically respond in suffering. But all of us, Um, know people too, family members or friends that have gone through different trials and sufferings in their lives, and uh, we get encouraged by how they've responded, how they've responded through the midst of cancer or the loss of a child, and uh, how they've put their hope and trust in God during those times. So as we go through those times in our lives, as trials and tribulations come, how do we respond to suffering, and are we the aroma of Christ? One of the things that I think is really sad is a lot of people you'll hear say um, that they, non-Christians in their lives can sometimes act more hospitable and more Christian-like than Christians that they know in their lives. And uh, we all have family members, maybe, 
or friends that we know that are just very humanitarian and are just good-natured people. They're not Christians, but they're just kind and loving and always willing to help someone out. And, you know, as Christians, how much more should we be doing all of those things? How much more should people see us in the grocery store or at the gas station or driving or whatever it is and say like, wow, there's, there's something different about this person. And we give off in a pleasing aroma of Christ as we interact with the outside world. Uh, verse 16, Christ is sufficient. We don't depend on ourselves, what we've learned, um, all of those things, but we depend on his sufficiency, um, on his spirit to enable us to do the ministry that he's called us to do. And verse 17, we don't change the gospel. We're not here to, to peddle the word of God, either because we want it for selfish gain, we're trying to make money, or because we just want to kind of soften the gospel so people won't find it so offensive, so more people will come to know God. But it's not our right to change the gospel. We simply share the good news with those around us. So I hope those verses, uh, those verses are helpful <laughs> to all of us. I hope the way that I preached them this morning was helpful to you. And again, Kristen and I are so thankful uh, for this church and for all of your support and love towards us over the last over six years now that we've, that we've been in Zambia. We do really enjoy um, this time together. And uh, we look forward to the time as well to have lunch together.